This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. How's it going, folks? Glad to have you here again. Enjoyed our conversation last week with David Day. This week, Adam Knapp, who is the CEO of the Baton Rouge Area Chamber, will be our guest. He and I are going to talk about what's happening in Baton Rouge and in the region. We'll spend some time talking about the northern part of Baton Rouge and the parish. We'll talk a little bit about race relations here, talk about the business climate. We will talk about how they go about attracting businesses here. And we will read some social media feedback about the atmosphere in the town at the end of our discussion. And uh, looking forward to that, you know, there is so much hard work to be done in this town right now. And it's worthy work. I am not a fan of making people believe that something is easy and can be done overnight. But that's not to say that I'm a pessimist or that we should not do it. I don't, I don't mean that. I just mean that what, what, you know, we're going to talk about North Baton Rouge and what's happening there. And there are issues of crime and culture and the family breakdown. And I certainly don't mean that as an excuse to not try. I think those reasons are motivations or should serve as motivations for getting involved in that area. Adam is one of the kinds of people that you can have faith in for his compassion for helping everybody in the city. And Brack has a big job, and they get a lot of criticism from people for a number of reasons. And criticism happens when you're doing really big things. But I think his intention is to help the city and many people on his team, many people on his team feel the same way. And I think that it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. And there are some communities in the inner city or some parts of the inner city, I should say, that are ignored. But we've got to be realistic about some of what's going wrong and then spend some time to realistically bring it to another place. And I'm just not a fan of making people believe that it is easy to go from the bottom to the top or you can do it overnight. And again, I think the work is worthy and I hope people hear me saying it that way and don't assume that I mean that I mean something other than that. And so Adam is going to going to share his expertise on that. And I mean that the man knows what he's talking about. And uh, that conversation is on the other side of a quick break here on The Clay Young Show. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Adam Knapp, the Chief Executive Officer of the Baton Rouge Area Chamber of Commerce, and he is an MVP because he's playing hurt today. <laughs> he's working on a wheel and a half as we sit here to do this right now. Man, how are you? I'm walking in circles, man. That's why that's, I'm one-legged. You kidding? A, so we, we met in my office first, and and he and I hear this. I was like, what the hell is that noise? And it's he's on the crutches, and I'm thinking, oh my God, if I had known you were going to be on crutches, I wouldn't imagine going to the other side I of the building. Clip clock into your office. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's been an interesting year. 
2017. Some will say it doesn't feel like 2016 ended yet. Yes, but sometimes doesn't. Well, as a person who's running a major operation, as a husband and father, your opinion of our city has to be seen through the prism of different lenses, right? Yeah, yeah. So tell me, through those lenses, how do you see Baton Rouge right now? Well, look, I think it all, let's start as a parent, right? So I think as a citizen of Baton Rouge, uh, now a longtime citizen of Baton Rouge, um, I love the city that I live in. Mm-hmm. And my, my wife loves the city that she lives in. And our kids, who are in public school, by the yeah, way, and I like yeah. to tell people that, yeah. Um, are having a great experience in their in their early childhood. They're young, but you know, loving the school they're in and have a great experience and are doing great. And it feels almost um, Lake Wobegon like that they're uh, <laughs> they're able to walk to a neighborhood school right. and and, uh, and are doing well at it. It's just sort of this crazy great experience. Um, and so from that from that prism, you know, we're in this very privileged experience and, yeah. and are conscious of that. And and especially especially after 2016, that so many folks who flooded and are still struggling through yeah. a very, very painful recovery yeah. and on couches and at friends' houses still and trying to get contractors to show up and do work. And um, we, we recognize every day that, that we are incredibly fortunate and, and, and owe, owe, owe what we can do in, uh, in the community to help others that are, that are not necessarily having the same experience as we are. How has Baton Rouge changed? This past year? Yeah. From the time, I mean, we spoke last year, last summer, as a matter of fact. I yeah. know because we spoke in this room and this my studio wasn't finished until late May. So mm-hmm. from last summer when we spoke to where we are now, how has Baton Rouge changed? You know, it's, it, it I think, went through such a torturous end of the year. Um, and as you mentioned, in many ways, it doesn't feel like the end of the year ever really yeah. ended. And yeah. it's in many ways still is, is, is torturous and difficult for, for many. Um, you know, I think the optimism of, for us as an organization, a, a vision for where we can go for an economy, mm-hmm. a very optimistic sense of how to get there uh, and the things that we need to do, um, it, it feels like a lot of the kind of the, the air goes out of the uh, out of the balloon yeah. uh, as as folks feel just deflated from their own personal experiences or uh, or frustrations about uh, sort of divides that have, that emerged yeah. last year yeah. and at the same time when i look at the work that we started last year and our 5 year strategy for the economy and the work that we do at a regional level we actually saw a great deal of progress last year in the work that we wanted to get done. Yeah. The economy, if you step back from kind of the pain of the state budget crisis and the state's own job dilemma, at a regional level, the Baton Rouge region is leading the state in economic growth. Right. Um, and, and that sense of what should be a very optimistic period for our economy is just it's we're not able to enjoy some of the things that are actually going well for the region because of those frustrations from the end of last year. Well, it's it's so interesting. There does not feel uh, it does not feel like there is an air of optimism above the city. Crime-wise, we had the the lowest number of murders in 6 or 7 years. Most people would look at Baton Rouge and think we had more murders last year than maybe ever before and right. I think we were down, you know, substantially. Yeah. 15, 16 murders from the year. I think we, yeah. we were down 16. It was 77, I believe, and, and 15 and 61 last year. Yeah. And in the and, and that's a, a drop now of two to three years. That's exactly right. Drops of, of a very intentional policing strategy. Sure. And, and a very proactive district attorney's office. No question. Collaboratively. That that progress, just like the economy, just gets lost. Well, because people, of the other yeah. frustrations and well, and then the the climate of business here. If you enter Baton Rouge on Airline Highway and drive down Airline Highway, just Airline Highway, not I-10, Airline Highway, you see development in the city and it drops off the further north you head. And we'll talk about that in a second. But in the middle of the city, near LSU's campus, in some ways up around Southern's campus, uh, in the southeastern part of the parish, there is development in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And so there have been a lot of great things here. In Kip's 12 years, no one can deny the work that has been done on infrastructure. We're not where we need to be, 
but we're a hell of a lot further along yeah. 12 years later, right? Oh, yeah. And what's amazing is when we can step back and look at many different aspects across the region and see that there is progress that has been made sure. uh, in, in almost every area that you would want to be seeing it made. Uh, never fast enough, but it is not at a standstill. The interesting right. thing is um, when we bring in prospects, we get to, for economic development purposes, that come to visit our, our region and, and look around, we get to tell the story of what's exciting and new, and you try to make sure you're you're building the, the case every year yeah. afresh. Yeah. And what's interesting is you can look at things that have been built that make Baton Rouge a different city, dynamically different city that other cities aren't enjoying, that we're enjoying, and they come here and they, they love it. They eat it up that this is a, a city on the rise. Right. And they can see it when they see it from the outside in ways that we as residents perhaps either we're jaded and can't see or Absolutely. we don't know about it. Yeah. You know, I was in Shreveport a few weeks ago, and I have friends there and in Natchitoches, and I spoke with people at both chambers. And to hear them talk about Baton Rouge, <laughs> and you compare it to some of the commentary from people who live here, it's night and day. They want the attention of people from Baton Rouge. They want a lot of what Baton Rouge has. Now, from where we stand, I'd love the fact that Caddo and Bossier, uh parishes, both, they have three loops. They, <laughs> they have an embarrassment of riches. An embarrassment and transportation of riches. riches. And we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. So when two, two different you know, phases of this question. One, for Fortune 500s and 100s, what is their take on Baton Rouge in 2017? And for small businesses, which is a large category, right? Yeah. How are we doing there? So let me, let me answer the, the first question from the perspective of, of prospects. Again, yeah. when we're talking to prospects that are thinking about business investments sure. in the region, whether they are already here or considering here, um, they will look optimistically at the fact that the Baton Rouge region has a great deal of higher education infrastructure. Yeah. And, and being a capital city with a great deal of higher education infrastructure, like LSU and Southern, yeah. Uh, yeah. and our community colleges, yeah. they see that as an advantage that, v that very few cities, especially Southern cities, have. Um, and uh, in metro areas our size and larger, to have all of those things together in one place is a very unique situation, especially with a strong manufacturing economy, a great deal of uh, sort of logistical infrastructure, uh, interstate, Mississippi River, uh, rail access. Yeah. They see all those things together alongside a university and see this is a great place for both blue collar and white collar jobs to, to live in an economy. Um, that is that is the outside view of why Baton Rouge and what makes it interesting. Now, as they unpack that, especially if they have assets that are here, they'll soon come to transportation infrastructure as a frustration yeah. uh, and a challenge, one that we are obviously are aware of as citizens of Baton Rouge. Um, and, and soon after that, they'll look at the educational outcome data for our metro area compared to other metro areas, and mm -hmm. they'll ask us a lot of questions of why, why we don't have more two-year associate's degrees present in our uh, adult population. Yeah. Uh, there are things like that, that that emerge as questions that you have to be prepared to talk about how, how things are changing, why they are the way they are, but how things are making progress, where you can see in, in other things like uh, test scores uh, among students of the metro area, we, we can actually demonstrate progress being made as a metro area across mm -hmm. our, uh, our 13 public school districts. Those are advantages we have, but they see, they see the data as anyone would looking right. at it outside and they can compare it to other metro areas. From a small business standpoint, um, there, there are three big things that emerged last year uh, from our, our uh, small business committee that, that we, we reflect out as kind of the challenges that small business or concerns that small businesses have. One is an, an enormous, enormous concern about the burden of the federal government to their operations of their business, mm -hmm. right? And that is pervasive, whether it be healthcare, regulatory environment, the, the cost factor of doing business has just continued to escalate. No question. The second thing has been a concern about access to capital and a sense among our local small business community that it has continued to get more difficult to borrow, uh, to grow, to get investment into your, to your small business. And then third is actually an overarching concern of all business expressed by small business about access to talent, especially workforce who have soft skills to show up, be ready to work. Uh, yeah. And that is a, a challenge that we hear from small business, but it's pervasive across all size businesses. 
You know, it's it's interesting because I know how hard Brack works to sell Baton Rouge to other places. And I know that you've got your hands in a lot of things here trying to kind of hold the city together. But for the average person out there, so much of their opinion of what's happening here is shaped by what media tells them. How does the way the town, and, and let me be more candid, it is, the ratio is got to be 70-30 negative to positive. <laughs> just, or maybe it's just my jaded view of it, okay? Uh, but I just, I, I think, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. You know how that works. Sure, sure. But in your line of work, that doesn't help you. Obviously, you want to tell the public the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But when you don't report the things that are happening that are positive, that are optimistic in nature, it kind of does create that feeling that nothing good is happening here and maybe nothing good will happen here. Is that fair? It is. And I think that the, the challenge of uh, getting a status report on a community, yeah. right, that is a, and a, a one that is unvarnished or unbiased in either direction, right? This is, you always kind of, the reason why I think news media likes to say, hey, we're, we're fair and balanced or we're, 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 we're neutral yeah. is that there's a sense that, that what, that's what consumers want to get, but there's nobody actually delivering just a, a straight talk kind of reporting of, of right. or, or ca- characterization of where things are. And so I think organizations like ours have a obligation to try to say the good and the bad at yeah. once, both to, to make sure that folks don't overly buy into a false narrative. Sure. But also don't don't sell themselves a bill of goods on you know something that's really not true. There's a lot of challenges, and so I think we try to we try to be straight just about what's good and bad, um, and know when we're selling from when we're observing, right? Yeah, for you again when you're giving a sales pitch, because chambers are often doorways for people in business who don't know an area. They'll call your chamber, and 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 because. The, Bra- the Baton Rouge area chamber is a super regional chamber. You have influence, maybe not, well, maybe some influence, but some also insight in, in nine parishes. We were just talking about that off the air. So for you, when you're trying to pitch the city and someone says, bad schools in Baton Rouge, I don't know about that. I heard, I've heard about the traffic there. I don't know about that. And, you know, what about the workforce there? I not educated workforce. How do you combat that? Yeah. And of course, that's not the entire picture. I don't say that to say that that's because because there are more positives, I think, than negatives, to be honest with you. But how do you combat that narrative? Well, so we let me let me say, I think we are our own worst enemy. How so? In in Baton Rouge to ourselves that we we tear ourselves up. No question. And, and that that pessimism or negativity is a is a massive challenge. Yeah. Now, that is not to say that it isn't right to be critical. Yeah. I think what we what we observe is perhaps an even more critical sort of nature mm-hmm. here than perhaps other regions sure. do to themselves. Now, I think maybe every region thinks that of themselves, yeah. but it, it, it sure seems it uh, is a very aggressively so. What we what we want to try to do is is be able to call out fact from fiction right. on every one of those categories right. that you just said, whether it's transportation, uh, education, or other factors, in, in order to both be um, active in holding institution, failing institutions accountable uh, for their challenges uh, while also being uh, accurate in, when, in information that, that's not being shared about things that are going well and when somebody is getting a raw deal or getting their their story incorrectly portrayed. So let me, let me use one example. Um, I actually think most people in Baton Rouge who judge the East Baton Rouge school system as kind of a desolate failure probably haven't taken a close enough look recently at, at things that have been changing sure. or progress. Okay. I, I look at a situation that is desolate as something that there isn't progress being made right. uh, toward improvement. And, and I don't see that being the story that I observe. What improvements are there? Up, up front and, and, and closer to the district. So one of the observations, and, and I'm going to now come back and I'll, I'll kind of counter myself in a minute. But the progress we've seen in the last just two years, for example, in, under the Superintendent Drake's leadership, one mm-hmm. is built his efforts to try to build a, a cohe- cohesive plan among principals in the school system that they own their campuses and the outcomes of their campuses yeah. and that he intends to hold them accountable to that. That's something that, that we have wanted to see for decades, it feels like, at least for years, many, many years, that 
principles are kind of the 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 focus of attention that a right. good a good school starts with a good principal right. leadership at the top. Absolutely, we've seen new institutions in the school system opening each year. And when I say in the school system, I, I mean both by the district or chartered out right. uh, under the authorization of the right. district. So let me right. look at just last year as one example. One of the things we we see as the path forward is that more high quality school options continue to exist for parents to choose mm -hmm. some form of public education, be mm -hmm. it a traditional school or a charter school. Last year and this year, let's just look at what's what's happening. One, two schools got chartered last year that are some of the absolute best in terms of their performance that will be opening up starting in 20, uh, late 2017 or 2018, I forget the exact dates, uh, under the auspices of the East Baton Rouge school system that these operators who are high quality are coming in and sure. their scores are through the roof for their kids that they're going to be opening up multiple schools uh, in the East Baton Rouge uh, sort of footprint mm -hmm. that they're going to build build new campuses, open up new schools, and be operational and, and hiring their talent uh, to run them. Within the existing school district, East Baton Rouge has authorized the construction of a new career high school that we've been begging for for <laughs> over a decade. It right. got authorized uh, to move forward last year. Uh, they should be out for bid in the next couple of weeks, we think, and the intention is to have it open in 2018 to have a career-focused uh, kind of old old school idea of a vocational tech, technical high school right. where any any kid from any school can come in and take one of four or five different trade tracks um, and then go back and graduate from their home high school but get yeah. uh, absolutely first-rate education right alongside Baton Rouge Community College potentially ending their with a not only a diploma from high school but also a two-year associate's degree that's kind of the vision Excellent. that they have is that you could actually yeah. have that track yeah. that's work being led by the school system to innovate and try to change this year we expect them to continue down the path of authorizing new schools one of the things we hear from the, the superintendent is that he is very much enamored with a, uh, a charter school that's interested in coming to baton rouge out of phoenix arizona their scores make them one of the most challenging high school operators in U.S. News and World Reports, sort of annual scores of yeah. high schools. It's called Basis Schools. Yeah, yeah. Basis wants to open their first school in Louisiana and Baton Rouge, <laughs> and they want to shoot to do this in 2018. The district is looking to authorize them as an East Baton Rouge performer. Their, their scores would put them at or higher than Episcopal, Baton Rouge High, if you know New Orleans, Lusher, or Baton, Ben Franklin. It'd be by the scores that they have open at their enrollment? other schools, open enrollment public wow. school wow. Uh, that you could you could have access to, and if they open one, actually they would intend to multi open multiple schools if they uh, are authorized to be able to do so. And that's a school that East Baton Rouge wants to bring in and authorize. Not not that it gets set up by the state, but they would authorize because they want credit for the scores of those kids. Yeah. And so what's amazing is they're looking at an aggressive strategy of how to how to do this. And I, and I don't see them necessarily getting full credit for doing that. Now, let me let me say the pessimist view of this, right? Okay. Their, their scores have not gone up at the rate that they need to, right? If you just look at the district performance score from the school, the state standard uh, data, it is not where it should be and it's not where right. they've actually been growing fairly well if you look at them at a, at a five-year uh, sort of uh, rate, but their last year score kind of fell flat a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah. So there is some sense that the data needs to bear out their progress, even as they are bringing in new strategies to do yeah. it. I think factually, I think they, they own that that challenge. We've talked to the superintendent about it. He'd, he'd tell you too, you know, look, we, we need to get it better. A lot of that's going to start with the things that he's trying to put in place of principals, uh, owning the responsibility of each campus. Um, but at the outset and kind of in a long range view, we do see some progress coming from the efforts they're making. It's interesting the, the 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 charter school discussion has always been one that's just kind of fraught with emotion. Uh, I've had to explain to people that charters are still public schools; they're just non-traditional public schools. They're public dollars that that fund their operations. Uh, my concern has always been the review process before someone is issued a charter to make certain that they are reputable, that they have a real game plan and not just platitudes and bromides about what they want to do. You've got to have the business stuff worked yeah. out as well because the most precious investment we can make is our children, not even the dollars we lose. It's the children. They're more important than the dollars. So, But I agree with you, and, and I want to see Warren do a great job. I will be honest with you. I, I would like to see a faster pace of some things, but I, I do believe... 
I do believe he's well-intentioned at that. And he has remained, well, scandal-free is not the right word. We don't have as much negative coverage of our school board and the superintendent as we have had in the past. It's true. They seem to have a better working relationship, maybe the best working relationship since Clayton Wilcox. And even that was that was interesting when he was here. That's a long time ago. It's not Throwback Thursday. You it's can't not. Throw back the, the, um, the thing that I want to I want to observe about what you just said, too, is. We, we predicted yeah. when the changes were being made to the school board to shrink its numbers yeah. from a, a, a larger school board to a slightly smaller school board. There are now nine members. There used to be 11. Yeah. When they did that, one of the reasons we were arguing they need to, to shrink their size mm-hmm. is that uh, we have seen some research around the country that showed that school boards that are smaller are more conciliatory toward one another. The bigger they get, the more contentious they get. Yeah. And... Whether that's the reason it's turned out to, to, to be what you said, I think a little bit more. They're less in the headlines than they have been historically. We actually think a lot of that has to do with the board is a little smaller and they have to work They have to work more closely as a smaller board yeah. with each other. It's, it's, it has worked, and they've got a hell of a lot of work to do, man, because to convince families to reinvest in Baton Rouge, a big part of that is about what's happening with the school system. Yeah. It's, it is so important to the future of Baton Rouge. We talked about business a little bit, and I want to talk more about that. We hear so much about the racial divide in Baton Rouge. It's it's kind of become almost the boilerplate topic when you're throwing out topics about Baton Rouge. Let's talk about the racial divide north and south of Florida Street. And I don't know if, if the way that this has been handled since July 5th has been in the best interest of solutions. Uh, July 5th of last year, obviously, in the eve, in the early hours of July 5th, there was the Alton Sterling incident. And then a couple of weeks later, we have the incident with the police officers. And since then, I have witnessed a lot of screaming from different sides of a line. And I have avoided a great number of meetings, quote unquote, town halls, because there was no dialogue. People came to put on a monologue <laughs> and you can't reach a conclusion that way. And I think that some of what's happened since then has made things worse because people are just lobbing bombs at one another. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that impacts what you do every day, but I can tell you talking to people in different places, they wonder what the hell is going on over here. Like, mm-hmm. man, what's happening here? It just <laughs> seems like it's like we're, we're fine. We're actually, we're okay. But what about that the, the the specter of the racial divide that hangs over the city now? It is um, I think you're you're spot on. It is one of the most difficult conversations our community is having right now. Mm-hmm. And let's go back to to last July for a minute. Um, I was enormously proud of uh, our, we have a, a committee at BRAC I was telling you offline about um, that is our diversity and inclusion committee, which is really made up of a number of uh, African-American executives who came together um, a number of years ago and have been working on sort of ways in which the business community uh, can Mm -hmm. look at race and economic development in in, in that prism together, right? And they held a press conference probably about two weeks after or a week and a half after uh, the Alton Sterling shooting. And they laid out three three broad things at that. One is the business community has an obligation to acknowledge that racism is real. And to say that has, even if it's just words, mm-hmm. it's important to say those words. And um, and so that that was the first point of the press conference. Just let's let's put that on the table. That we need to make sure we all are clear about that. The second was the path. The second thing was the path forward needs to look at ways in which we actually can work through racial healing. And to, to, from our, our conversations on this, a lot of that has really to do to find ways we can openly talk about what is a very difficult conversation. And, yeah. and, and then third is sort of policy issues that we, we all felt, that committee felt especially, are laid bare by the Alton Sterling shooting. If we look at this, not just in the case of the incident, but in the long-term ramifications for a community of how we heal and move forward, 
there were there were five categories that they talked about, and these are, are ones that we I direct folks to go back to the, the the materials we put out at the press conference last year. They're on our website, but they looked at issues of workforce access, yeah. North Baton Rouge economic development and investment, um, community revi- revitalization issues. Uh, a lot of the work, for example, being led by the Urban Congress, that has a lot to do with the family unit and the strength yeah. of um, uh, of the family unit to, to work through issues. And then broadly, kind of all of these kind of connect to it, but kind of the underpinnings of poverty yeah. uh, and the strategies there. And what the committee looked at was there can be progress that we make, whether it be under some of the things I was mentioning earlier about education, yeah. especially as those focus on uh, successful schools at, at helping in low-income environments where they have proven track records of success in low-income uh, mm-hmm. communities. Um, in, in workforce, a, a need to make sure that the access to the economy is there for everybody, yeah. right? And that if we're enjoying historic economic success in the Baton Rouge area, how do we make sure that it's it's beneficial not just to folks that live on uh, on one side of Florida and not the other, or yeah. that everybody has full access to it, whether they are accessing that in North Baton Rouge or anywhere else in the metro area, that sure. they have access to those jobs through workforce training and education. And then more broadly around North Baton Rouge, that there, there be a more attentive strategy to reinvestment of dis- disadvantaged communities. And that, that is a very real challenge and issue that Baton Rouge needs to be much more attentive to. If anything, that I think that the community has acted on that mm-hmm. in a manner of, uh, of change that has happened since then. The approval of the hotel motel tax that's funding the North Baton Rouge Economic Development District um, as it's getting organized in the, in, the fr- in the early part of this year, they're making headway to try to set a new strategy in place and focusing, as, as the downtown development district did, how do you focus in the long run in getting community investment back in the in the corridors of North Baton Rouge? What would be the the expectation if if you were drafting a plan that would improve North Baton Rouge? What would be the outcome on the other end of your strategy? What would it look like? So I think, uh, and and I think this uh, rather than say my idea, I think what we would say is what we've heard from leaders from the North Baton Rouge Economic Development District okay. and, and other uh, and other places. It would look like a uh, a in a community with quite a lot of investment and new assets, um, job opportunities like in the community. What what is so often said is what we would like to see is the types of stores and economic activity that you see in South Baton Rouge, we want to see that same. Some of that is unrealistic. It is. It is hard to do in the short run. Yeah. It is possible to do in the long run. And we've seen it. I I give you an example. We saw this in Pittsburgh. Um, Their equivalent of our redevelopment authority has quite a lot, as ours does quite a lot of power to focus on how you revitalize disadvantaged communities. And now they've been at it 15 or 20 years. Yeah. They have in, Kind of in an area like Scotlandville, been able to attract a neighborhood Whole Foods, an REI. Folks know the outdoor store, the mm-hmm. chain, um, and their anchor investments in a community that has completely revitalized neighborhood, uh, a neighborhood around it with new housing options, mixed use options. Um, what about the crime? And those there? things can happen. It takes a very focused, long term strategy to, to, to make sure you get anchor tenants, you get the yeah. right developers on yeah. track. And then things can sprout up around those anchor tenants. And I think part of, just to kind of finish the thought, part of what we hear that makes quite a lot of sense and the efforts that have been discussed from, uh, from the North Baton Rouge Economic Development leader, Leaders has been to look at the major assets in North Baton Rouge and to build from those assets and around those assets, looking yeah. at Southern University, yep. the airport, yep. sort of the corridors in between, how uh, place. You've got a lot of things that have made, made progress that you can build from. And crime. And crime. What about the crime? What do you do about what do you do about that? So that that is a question I would say is better suited to somebody from the criminal justice system than to me. My sense is that the leadership that we've had of a coordinated police department, sheriff's department, yeah. and district attorney is is what has led to the drop in the murder rate. The the biggest challenge Baton Rouge has had in the last decade has been kind of that spike in violent crime in twenty eleven yeah. and twenty twelve. And getting a handle on that in a, in a way that can stay in place for the long term. Yeah. What the, the, the district attorney has done around the, uh, the CSU that they've built that's yeah. focused on data-driven policing has produced results. It has. And, and to continue down that path 
uh, and not lose momentum is, I think, where a lot of uh, a lot of the efforts are, are focused. Hopefully, see, I think that North Baton Rouge is more than worthy of the attention that many people in that part of the parish and that part of the city want. I I believe that we do have an obligation to be smart and to want to see a rising tide lift all boats. As I've said before, some boats have holes in them and we have to address that. Most of the people who live in inner city communities are not criminals. They just have a higher percentage of the minority in their population who are criminal or who are into criminal activity. But and and so I think you can't and I know that some people cringe at hearing that, but I I don't say that to say that it isn't worth the effort. It is definitely worth the effort. In some ways it's more worth the effort there than it is in Southeast Baton Rouge where you have stable intact families and you have people who have the disposable income to put their kids in private school if they don't like the public school and kids have exposure to cultural experiences that a kid in Scotlandville may not get unless in a book or online or possibly in a in a some speech given at school. But when I hear the conversation about North Baton Rouge, I think that for me, I am a fan of giving people a realistic blueprint of how to get to where it's better and what is unrealistic until certain atmospheric things change. Mm. A Perkins Row in Scotlandville right now is not going to happen. A town center is not going to happen. Nobody's going to spend money in a place where they feel like the windows are going to get kicked in, even if that's just a stereotype. Development in the kinds of businesses that can service the population, grocery stores, some smaller food chains, things that people there can have. I think we have to do that. You, you know, I th- am I, I wrong in saying I, I want to I want to actually disagree a little bit in one respect. OK, it is too gross a generalization to say. North Baton Rouge is rampant with crime. Oh, no, no, I, no, no, no. If it comes across that way, that's not what I mean. What, so it, it had it had a, a tone of that. And the reason yeah. why I want to counter that is twofold. One is the corridor that we talked about a minute ago, that corridor between, for example, Southern and the airport, yeah. absolutely could attract investment tomorrow. Absolutely. Right? And, and I think actually we would expect to see that coming down the road. The second is the progress that's been made by the Ardendale development yep. to get a new automotive technology uh, training center. Yeah. Uh, another collision training center is expected to be on the way. Um, and now this new Ardendale high school that's right next door to mm-hmm. it. And that entire possibility is, is not just an idea that can happen in North Baton Rouge. It's happening yeah. today in North Baton Rouge. That construction is underway. And, and in many ways, that's that's what you should expect to be seeing is that in many ways, government can lead the way to, to motivate the market. In that case, yeah. the community colleges and the, and the school system. It happened on Florida Boulevard at, at the technology park. And mm-hmm. I think we, we overlook examples that have been successful because, oh, well, that's already happened. It's not realistic. But in, a, in an area that folks probably would have written off and said, oh, they'll never attract that kind of investment again, it, it was absolutely made possible by a partnership and a, and a long-term strategy to see the old Bon Marche Mall yeah. turn now yeah. into a center of economic absolutely. activity. And but for that, Ard- Ardendale doesn't happen. But and the, so the infrastructure already back. existed with Bon Carré. The facility was there already. And, 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 and you're right. Where I was going with, with, with that is investment in the kids. I, I was working my way towards saying the future of North Baton Rouge, South Baton Rouge, the middle of the city, all over any city is young people. And crime is driven by hopelessness in young people. And you, you can't give everybody hope. That sounds like some fairy tale thing. But for so many kids, getting them to fall in love with a future through good schools can help alleviate a lot of what's going on. You know, communities that have fantastic schools miraculously don't have high numbers in crime. And I think that it should be, and I know it's a priority for you because you guys have been doing it and you have, you have fought for electeds who will defend children. I guess what I'm saying is it's when I hear talk about North Baton Rouge, I'm saying let's tell people the truth. And let's tell them 
what's great about it you do have southern university up there that i love you got the baton rouge airport there and you've got people who've taken the time to invest but those areas are not the hood that's what i'm talking about that's the thing nobody really wants to chat about i'm talking about the hood gsri over here all right not burbank near lsu is not gardier not the same thing Putting a casino back there is not the same thing. And so when people say, well, Clay, you can't do anything about that. That's just the reality. I understand to a degree, but I'm asking smarter people, what are options that we can present that do give Mm -hmm. us an opportunity to change that reality for those things, the hood, the real inner city. We can name streets in this town that no matter what development you put around them, they hadn't changed in 25 years. So how do we impact that? Because I think those people matter too, don't you? I do. And my sense is, here's, here's the way it's been successful in the past. And okay. if we want to try to model behaviors that have worked or experiences that have worked to lead us forward, look at those things that have been successful in the past. And I'll, I'll use two. One is the one I just gave, which is the example of the Bon Marche Mall turning yep. into Bon Carré yeah. as a business center. Um, and, and, you know, essentially full. Um, and then leading down the path to the Ardendale project that's sure. kind of behind it coming along. The second example is where downtown was 20 years ago. Nobody in Baton Rouge would have said it'll ever come around. It's just it's lost. Oh, it's yeah. crime ridden. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be safe when you go down yeah. there. And and here we are today, a, a vibrant reinvestment. Can't find downtown. a parking spot and you down can, there. And you, can, you probably can't afford a parking <laughs> spot. That's right. The 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 reason why I say that is it it was a intentional very long-term effort and it didn't happen and that's the key and this is why i say i think what gets me in some sense optimistic in 2017 that there has and and maybe it is because of last july mm-hmm. but there has been a turn in attention and attitude and and, and I, heck I'd, I'd put this on our own organization that we we see the the ways to pull together as an, a community around sure. things that can in the long run make a difference yeah and 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 it's still early going right, right. so i think this is th- this is going to be one of those years that we'll see how it turns out but i think that there's enough momentum you're starting to get a sense that folks are pulling in the same direction one one thing that has to happen this year by the way and it's worth mentioning since Listeners may want to be active in trying to help it come about. Yeah. There's been articles uh, in, in the last week or two about the, the East Baton Rouge Redevelopment Authority. Mm-hmm. I highlight this because as an institution, it can play an incredibly transformational role in every disadvantaged community as the entity that can pull assets together, assemble land, act as a developer, as kind of a public-private developer to bring about reinvestment. Yeah. They have legislatively the toolkit that you would exactly want to set up. It was written, the legislation was written by an, an expert on how this is done out of Atlanta at Emory University, and it is a model for how to write uh, a redevelopment authority. The fact that it is underfunded is a crisis, and it has sort of been held you know, together by tape and string for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. This is a year that it, new mayor, new leadership, it needs to get properly set up again to be financially stable so that it can do what it's going to do. But even in the midst of all that, they've taken ownership of the old energy side on Government Street. Yeah. They're out for bid and it should be under construction with a $20 million revitalization of an old property to turn it into commerce. And that, that project led by the RDA could be one of those anchor tenant projects that sparks Government Street turning into mm-hmm. you know a magazine street like New Orleans has you know boutique, local, local, unique flavor to it yeah um and and in an area that folks i think probably have thought you know for years couldn't attract that kind of investment yeah the rda is super important this year to see it properly set up and reestablished. and 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 we have a lot of hope that um uh, what was done in political work last year in the metro council races and in the mayor's race to emphasize that um that that pays off this year that everybody stays focused on getting that done we actually asked this at our mayoral forum uh, of all the mayoral candidates, but we were still in the primary and there were like a hundred people in the race. Dear they, God. they all hand held up their hand. And when we said, Hey, which of you will pledge today, raise your hand that you will support the sustainable funding necessary to make a properly funded redevelopment authority. A hundred percent. All of them raised their hands mm-hmm. and said, absolutely got to get it done. We saw the same in our interviews with Metro council members. There is unity to get it done. Now we just got to actually see it active. It's, it's, it's important for me because, you know, I know that you guys, like I said, you, you're 
involved in so many things trying to keep the machine spinning and keeping it moving. But I am I just am not impressed often when I read about policies that are so heavy on headline and so light on specifics and not just specifics about the parts, but about what the parts when constructed and you know put will together look like. will look like. Yeah. And when I hear talk about North Baton Rouge, there are some cultural things that have to be addressed that we should address and we should care about. Yeah. And again, it is not my intention to say, oh, it's just crime up there. It's never going to change. Not, I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous attitude right, to have. Right. But I think that some of the things that exist, you can't ignore. Mm. And for kids especially, we're, 55%, only 55% of black males in East Baton Rouge Parish graduate from high school. From high school. Think about that, Adam. That's frustrating. And so... That's a cultural thing. That's not a spreadsheet issue. That's something that's happening in a house somewhere that Adam Knapp, Sharon Broom, uh, John Bell Edwards, we can't do anything about. We can only hope to create an atmosphere where the people in the house will want to start doing something about their children. Is that fair? It is. And I think that, look, absolutely why we should expect to see that, that start of that change yeah. in the education system. Yeah. And that's one of the things that came out in last year's press conference after the, the shooting was if it doesn't start there, yeah. it doesn't have a path into access to the economy. It doesn't have a path into yeah. community reinvestment. Have we started that dialogue? I don't want to be flippant and say that we haven't because I haven't been in every meeting that's gone on. Have we started that dialogue so as a city? The school system was actually engaging in a lot of those conversations, I think, right as the flood hit, actually. Okay. And, 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 I, and I have not actually, frankly, gone back to see if they've continued those conversations. Yeah. It'd be interesting to go back and go check that. One, one of the things, though, that has made progress is the, the efforts of the school system to restart Estruma, for example, mm-hmm. as a critical high school asset in North Baton Rouge, at the same time as other high-performing charter schools will also be opening up new infrastructure in North Baton Rouge, yeah. there is a, a change of, of kind of institutional assets in yeah. education that is happening. Yeah. A lot of this started well before the shooting. The, the, the thing that motivated the creation of New Schools Baton Rouge. For those who don't know, there's a nonprofit in Baton Rouge called New Schools Baton Rouge, yep. which is essentially a chamber of commerce for helping yep. to attract the best performing yeah. charter schools of America to yeah. come and help us open it. It was actually created in looking at the DNF schools of Baton Rouge and, and most of them being concentrated in North Baton Rouge that the, you know, the, the, the state kind of identified that as what they wanted to call the achievement zone, mm-hmm. an area that could be focused on to attract in high-performing schools that would come in and help turn around where there are DNF schools bringing yeah. in A and B and C schools. Yeah. And that, that path has now been underway for, for four years now. And we actually have seen this, the schools that I've talked about earlier on this uh, podcast, Idea Schools, Inspire NOLA, yeah. Democracy yeah. Prep. Yeah. These schools have been many years in the making of, of attracting them, getting them authorized, getting them set up, all inherently focused on the question of getting better school operations yeah. in North Baton Rouge. And at the same time, and I don't mean to be dismissive that, this, that the school system in East Baton Rouge hasn't been quite attentive at the same. A lot of that has been what's led them to focus on, for example, the turnover at Estruma. It's, it's, it's so true. And I think because people don't often know along the way what's happening, the assumption is often it is. <laughs> nothing's happening. It is. And yeah. so... I think, you know, where people connected to what y'all are doing, they see it. And I don't want to hover on this because I want to move on to one more thing before we wrap up. I will say this. There are black people and white people who are willing to help and willing to work together to address whatever is happening in this city. There are white professionals and every on every level from blue collar to white collar, black professionals. And if you don't believe me, Go back to the flood and just Rolodex through your mind with the pictures of who was helping and who was out there. I do think racially people are willing to come together and have dialogue and it can't be prosecutorial. It's got to be about honesty and what we can do to fix it. And somebody's got to lead that with specifics. 
and I, gosh, I'm beating this quote, quote to death, but it's just one of my favorite MLK quotes, uh, that a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. And I think that's kind of one of those things that have to happen, and it's important. Now, it's an action verb. Look, and I want to, yeah. let me plug that. The mayor mentioned when she came into office uh, a couple of months ago, or a couple of weeks ago, it feels yeah. like, that she was going to put in her entire staff through a, a program uh, that a nonprofit runs called the Dialogue on Race. And and I don't know your feelings on it, but I would tell you, if nobody, if somebody on the uh, on the listen to this podcast hasn't heard of that before, look up the Dialogue on Race. And if you're willing, sign up for a class. It's actually kind of like going to a book club. Not over familiar a, with it, an but I'll check it out. Period. And you, you're put in a room with strangers, uh, black and white, uh, multi-ethnic, and you have a conversation, a facilitated conversation by a professional where you to can accomplish. go into a safe space to be able to talk about race. And really, and I, and I say it because what I've seen it do for folks who have participated in it is to create a common vocabulary for, for the ability to talk about other stuff right yeah and and it doesn't solve for x it just tries to say hey let's let's get in the room and start molding to yeah. use your quote yeah. right and it's really cool that you can get into the space and have a place where you can say anything to be able to to get get it out into the air and then and let others kind of reflect or counter it and, and say no you know what i think that's kind of bullshit that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. this way. right right and and it actually is interesting that she called attention to it because that that program, if if we actually saw more folks of different faith traditions getting in right. the same room and talking about these issues, where folks who are spending their Sundays in traditionally African American churches or predominantly white churches, that they actually could mix find, a little bit, find, find some time together. Um, it's like the it's kids a pretty or- cool program. The kids orchestra thing is unbelievable. It's awesome. It is awesome. How did I not know that existed it's before awesome. last for those, year? For those of you who don't know, there's this nonprofit that started up. Um, in Baton Rouge, probably what three years yeah. ago, two years, two three years ago, and it puts Nanette musical Nolan instruments, it, right? Yeah, yeah, she's the philanthropist yeah. That, yeah. that really said she saw it somewhere and said, "I want this in Baton Rouge." Yeah, write a check cool. for it. Yeah. And and now it's you know it's it's grown and grown and grown, and there are, what like six hundred yes. or a thousand kids in it yeah. across public schools where you get access to based on your income, you, right? You pay a little bit of it, uh, but you get access to music education. In elementary school, yes. I, I didn't get to start music until like late middle school. I feel like it, it's really great, and um, and it, it really mixes a lot of different kids into these programs. And they're at, they're at a lot of different schools and growing kids orchestra. Folks should look it up. Well, you know, I made a three year commitment for my company to to. Be, I was so blown away by the kids at the thing last year, and we're going to support them and try to get them more more support. And again, it's I think the just one person's opinion. One of the ways we can uh, solve the divide is just to agree not to treat people in ways that you don't want to be treated. If I don't, if I don't treat, I don't want to be treated uh, like a douchebag. So I'm not going to act like one. And if we all say that, then maybe call the douchebag principle. There you go. The principle you start, of you've heard it here. Folks. That's exactly right. Just <laughs> treat people the way you wanted to be. You want to be treated and. Uh, it doesn't really matter what they look like or where they come from. I'm going to treat you with respect and decency and you agree to do the same thing. And then disrespect doesn't exist because we agree we're going to act decently, you know, right. um, between each other. And so yeah, uh, I don't know if you've brought them on before, but there's a, a, a group called Manners of the Heart in Baton Rouge, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. Look, I'm just trying to help you, promote other nonprofits. What are you talking about man? here? I, the, 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 <laughs> we, we produce the radio spots for them. What are you talking you're, about? You're awesome. I should have known that. Good grief. The cool thing about it is they have this this Baton Rouge respect, respect absolutely uh, initiative that folks can yeah. look up on uh, online. Yeah. And it's just a pledge. I'm I, in one I, of the I, videos. I pledge to be a decent human being is basically what it sounds like. I didn't up see to. your name on that pledge. I, I need to go look at you finally I had to signed read it. The fine was it to make in, sure there wasn't was, a trick. Was it an invisible link? <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, it was like Snapchat. <laughs> like it, it erased as soon as I, I didn't see your name on that. You know, he signed it in different he signed it with his left hand or something there. So all right, uh, final question here, and, and and we'll have another conversation going forward. There's so much to talk about, but if Adam Knapp was to be asked, what's your prediction for Baton Rouge in 2017? In other words, on 31 December of this year, when we take a look back at the previous 364 days, we will look back and see 
What? Yeah. So three things I'll say. One yeah. is um, we will pass funding for transportation this legislative session. It it ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> I don't know how much it's going to be. Oh man. I am I am optimistic there is a path to seeing transportation funding come out of this this year. Hallelujah. Right. <laughs> that and I'm not just. Saying that because I, God damn it, I want it that bad. <laughs> I, I, I feel very strongly it is possible. Okay. Second is, I think that we will see the redevelopment authority that I was mentioning earlier yeah. set up in a new manner where multiple agencies get put under one roof and sure. they actually get a, a base of resources. Sure. The third is that I think we'll add uh, somewhere around 6,000 to 10,000 new jobs in the economy by the end of the year. I think yeah. we'll grow between... Uh, one and a half and two and a half percent growth uh, by the time twelve thirty one comes around, and and folks who just see red yeah. will see black when it comes to the economy. Right. The, the, and I'll add a fourth. Now that I said that, the recovery programs of the state mm-hmm. that w- are underfunded. There's yeah. a one point six billion that's been allocated by the feds. Uh, it should start rolling by let's say May that they're actually out funding construction and rehabilitation of homes that had more than a foot of water in them. Um, That will start the process. And by the time we get to December, we'll have, we'll have gone through frustration, anger, and start to be seeing the path toward optimism and the path will be ugly. I think it's going to be painful as it, as it was after the Katrina road home program started and people were angry. We'll go through a period of anger yeah. and frustration, but the program will start working. Uh, and yeah. by uh, by twelve thirty one, it should be rolling that folks are actually seeing construction. It takes happening work at their to homes. do all this stuff. You know, we hadn't talked a ton about the mayor, but she's been in the job a couple months, and so you know, just it's it's a little early in the game. The the mood between her administration and law enforcement right now is not honeymoon like, but you know, it's again, it's still kind of early in the game for any any grades, and so I won't do that. I, I would also predict that there somebody will be police chief <laughs> on twelve thirty one, and somebody will be chief administrator officer on twelve thirty one. Are you sure about that? I think that that's possible. <laughs> okay, that's possible. all right. Well, we got the tape right. So I did ask on uh, ask uh, on Facebook what people thought about. Baton Rouge to, gra- to grade the atmosphere in Baton Rouge right now. And man, people think you have a lot of power, brother. I mean, it's just uh, so. Uh, that was me, me grimacing when that's said exactly that. so right. Didn't come uh, the microphone. Rick says the atmosphere is tired, just tired, too much tragedy to deal with last year and starting this year off rough, too. I'm not saying people aren't optimistic, but I think they are. They're also tired. David says the mood is waiting. Waiting and waiting makes anxiousness, leading to false speculations and wild fantasies. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, Lauren says, I'm not the best person to weigh in, but I want my flood damaged house this evening. Yeah. Only to discover, uh, went to rather, only to discover that we've been uh, broken into, things stolen. I'm tired too, sick and tired of the lawless the low cultured and the lowest common denominator wreaking havoc with no consequences. Wow. Shara says Baton Rouge needs lots of healing and leaders to guide us in that direction. The tragedies our community has endured over the past year have left deep scars that are not easily overcome. Fair. Bill. Okay. Bill says groups like Black Lives Matter with their misplaced indignation and their disdainful rhetoric towards all white people and with pandering civic groups that want to bring all of us together from a one-sided approach. Is there really any wonder why that there, and there's more to the comment here. I guess I didn't add it, but you get the gist of where Bill is going. And Jennifer says, I love my city of Baton Rouge, but there should be a law against our, <laughs> against our young men, uh, young men's pants sagging. Uh, I should have proved this one before that. Uh, I know there are much more serious topics to discuss, but please address this very disrespectful problem. Thanks in advance. I agree with you, Jennifer. I tell my sons, if your pants are not on your waist, you better be putting them on or taking them off. (laughs) So uh, that's uh, well, there you go, man. That's uh, that's. Oh, I forgot Pat at the top. My bad. Uh, I will say by design or by chance, the city of Baton Rouge is the most divided I have seen it. 
and have been here my whole life. The people of Baton Rouge seem to be listening to people who have an agenda to divide and not to be inclusive. Leadership in a positive way is lacking and it continues to divide the city. It will make St. George proposal, make the St. George proposal gain strength again. What happened to real leaders? Mm. Like I said, people think you've got the power to change everything. I don't everything. know what that has to do with the Baton Rouge area chamber, but I'll say this. Um, <laughs> I'll just say, since people are throwing in gripes there, can you do something about the frickin' I-10 there between downtown and southeast Baton Rouge? I, I would suggest everyone who's complaining by a helicopter. There you go. So that's that's exactly. Land at Spencer Callahan's office. Costco has them. And we can <laughs> What's he doing I with a helipad? I, I don't know. I'm gonna put a helipad on the chamber. Hey man, he now. can catch three footballs on a television commercial. Look, Uber's gonna have self-driving flying cars in ten years. There it you solves, go. It solves it all, and they'll be huge. They'll be huge. Let me let me let me say in response to a lot of yeah. those comments. The comment that strikes me, um, two of them kind of talk about sort of a sense of um, just feeling tired yeah. and 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 urgently looking for leadership. Yep. And I think that is a great. That is a great way to sum up what what is the end of 2016 yep. and where 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 2017 is with the new mayor and 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 I'd put that on all our parish leadership of all the nine parish areas to 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 seek a way forward that unifies and is not BS but is real um, that gives us a path to a to a better Baton Rouge I man that's the that's the that's the unifying sense or overall sense we get from tons of folks people just want to have a reason to be optimistic. I think in, in the conversation here, you've given people a great number of them. I wish we heard more of that in other places, but people want a reason to be optimistic. You know, the example is the little lady from Mall City who helped the police officer a couple days ago. I mean, it's one of those stories that just makes you go, yeah, man, you know, that's, but th- you know, th- that is the metaphor for who we are as a city after the flood, <laughs> right. not after the shooting. Absolutely. Right? And you said it a minute ago. That there are examples of that every day, a hundred times Absolutely. over, that just go unreported or missed. And 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 for that one to have, fortunately, occurred and gotten uh, attention is awesome because it gives us a way to say, yeah, that's who we are. And there are lots of that's people like All that out there. Yeah. So how can people find out more about BRAC? Go to our website, brac.org, brac.org, uh, and. We are encouraging folks, uh, especially who have moved to Baton Rouge and are not from here originally mm-hmm. or have boomeranged back, grew up here, left and came back, to do more to tell their story. And we have an ad campaign running on TV right now about uh, about uh, eight stories of people who have done this. Right. We're going to be rolling those out over the next few months. Two of them are now uh, airing and live. You can go to see them on our website. But they are. You want to feel good. Go see a story of, of folks who have moved here and they love Baton Rouge, right. deeply love Baton Rouge, and they're not from here. That's there's nothing a lot better than about, hearing those stories. There's a lot about Baton Rouge to love. It's the truth. It is. And it it's is. not a put on. It's the truth. There's a lot about this town to absolutely be in love with. We had a, a, an executive move here for IBM from New Jersey, grew up in India, been here about a decade, yeah. moved here from New Jersey, had, had grown up working at IBM, worked on the West Coast, worked in England, came here and he's like, our, our kids love it. I love it. We're happy here. We're going to be here for a long time. This is a great city to live in. They just moved here. They moved here between the shooting and the flood. Oh, wow. And they feel that way today. Wow. It can I mean, happen. It's, it's, it, it can happen. We just have to talk about it. And and nothing happens overnight. So, uh, But, you know, we just have to keep having the conversation, keep letting people know. Keep you know, It's okay to vent, but when the venting is over, you got to clean up what's what's messed up and so i think that's it man thank you for coming in you're hey, hobbling in on a wheel and a half hey, man look, i'm gonna i'm gonna walk in a circle out of here it's gonna be tough <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll help you with that Thanks, adam knapp ceo of the baton rouge area chamber back to wrap up in just a moment promote your business or organization on podcast 225.com podcast 225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for louisiana listeners every month thousands hear the weekly clay young show Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. People are going to love this next subject, Brian. Independence from your employer financially. How do you do that? Well, the truth is you don't want to be reliant. If you can't 
go through a monthly basis and have to have a paycheck, then you're not truly retired. Right. So the the goal is to eventually be retired, have independence, have freedom, mm-hmm. uh, and do what you want to do. Uh, maybe start a new business, uh, volunteer sometime. But it all goes back to the math. The math has to work. Yep. Uh, too many people are running around this town uh, not having a true income plan. They're not focused. So that's get you. Uh, you're a wondering generality a lot yeah. of you out there. Yeah. So I like to say this make you a meaningful specific. Love Let's it. Create the income plan. That's hold you accountable. You know, on a daily basis, I'm, I'm held accountable every day. So mm-hmm. that's hold you accountable in a nice, soft way. But you still need to have someone to hold your hand to get you through the promised land. Give us a call. Get the income plan. Start today. Don't wait around. I mean, call the guy. He's good at what he does. He can help you. Brian Lowe Financial. His team is in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Mandeville. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Had fun talking with Adam Knapp. We'll get him back here in uh, the next few months or in the next several months to kind of get an update on things. Couldn't really talk a whole lot about what's happening with the mayor. As I said, she's been in the job not very long yet. And outside of some of what's been written about law enforcement here in town in terms of a vision or a plan, there's nothing yet to really cast a grade on. And so after some time and give her a chance to really get going, we can talk about what's happening, what's working, what's what what needs to be improved and what's improving along the way. And uh, and I look forward to that. All right. Thank you, folks, for listening. Long conversation. We always appreciate you guys subscribing to the show. You can hit the subscribe button and listen to the Clay Young show every time there is a new one. You can also catch the newest edition of the Waiting Room podcast whenever it drops. And we appreciate you shopping our show. Leave us a review there. Leave us a rating there. We appreciate it. You can email me as well at clayyoung at podcast225.com. That's clayyoung at podcast225.com. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.